You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. Amen. Are y'all glad to be here? God is worthy, right? I mean, there's no one more worthy than Jesus. Like, He is the reason that we do everything that we do. He's the reason that we live. He's the reason that we meet together to, to worship and to celebrate. He's the reason that we open up His Word and, and try to learn so that we could apply that to the way that we live, not for ourselves, but for His glory and His kingdom. And today, we have all our kids with us. So I'm not going to talk a very long time because I know that mommies are ready to get the, the screaming babies back to the house. But we're going to continue on in our Galatians series. And this morning, what we're going to talk about really is the word unity. And that's a, that's a tough word because I think on the surface, when we hear unity, then we think that, yeah, well, we're pretty good at that. We're pretty good at being unified. But if we start peeling some layers back, I think we'll see that it's a little more difficult for us to live in that unity than we may say or we may think. So we're going to be in Galatians chapter 2 this morning. Next week, we're going to be back at the school at 10 o'clock, and Impact Kids will be up and running for all the parents that are having to keep their kids kind of wrangled in right now. So that's a blessing. Galatians 2, we're going to start in verse 11. It says, But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. We'll jump down to verse 20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. God, I pray that you speak through your spirit this morning. God, I pray that lives are changed. In Jesus' name, amen. So a little context here. So Cephas is Peter. So we have Peter who shows up. Peter is, is kind of working with Paul now. Peter is the head of the church, right? He has been commissioned to lead God's church. And then we have Paul who is kind of this upstart, not really a, a big name yet in the, in the church. And the, the story goes like this. Peter had started to eat and dine and hang out with Gentiles who were not Jewish. So that's significant because 
Gentiles didn't follow the dietary restrictions of the Jews, which means that Peter stopped following those same laws himself, that he started to eat and dine with the Gentiles. He started to eat whatever he wanted to eat. One of the Jewish laws was to have a kosher diet. Obviously, Peter stopped doing that. He started to dine with the Gentiles. And then we see a, a, a group of Jews that show up, and for some reason, whoever these people were, Peter decided, hey, I don't want them to see me eating with the Gentiles, so I'm going to withdraw myself from them, and I'm only going to hang out and eat with Jews. So in essence, what Peter was saying was, hey, I know that we've taught that you don't have to live by the law to be saved. I know that I've even lived that way with you, but I'm no longer living that way. Now I'm going back to the Jewish way. I'm going back to following the law. And then Paul sees this. So Paul rebukes him publicly. And again, I want you to see that Peter was the, the who's who of the church and Paul was the who's he of the church. Like Nobody really knew Paul at this point. He wasn't as important or as vital as Peter was. So Paul had a decision to make. Hey, do I confront him? Do I really publicly rebuke him or not? Do I really care that he's doing this? And we see that it's so important, not the fact that Peter is, is kind of living this way, but the fact that he is sharing a different gospel by the way that he's living. So we heard last week that the gospel is worth fighting for. And this is exactly what Paul was doing here. He was fighting for the gospel. He wasn't necessarily just fighting against Peter. He was saying, hey, the way that you're living and behaving is showing the Gentiles that there's a different gospel, and there's not. So you're perverting the gospel, and because of that, it is worth fighting for, and it is worth calling you out. And we're going to see how that plays out. I want to give you three really quick points. This, this series is called Freedom Through Christ, and I want to give you three freedoms that we have. And number one is the freedom to come together. We have the freedom to come together. And I don't know if you've ever been to another country or maybe you've worked with people from a different culture. And, man, things can get really dicey because cultures are completely different. And especially when the languages are different. There's some languages that put adjectives before nouns and there's some that put adjectives after nouns. And you start mixing all that stuff up and people just don't understand what you're trying to say and you could call somebody something you're not really trying to call them and it just gets really confusing and it's because cultures are different so how can we come together as different cultures how can we come together as different types of people with different types of backgrounds how can we come together with different types of skin color and different types of political views and man this is a hot topic for us in this country right now how can we truly be unified as the body of Christ? How can we truly come together when we have all these differences around us? All these differences that really make us who we are. How important are these things to us? And how important is Christ to us? That's the big question, and that's the question I think we have to answer. Charles Spurgeon said that he saw three main dividers in his society and those three dividers are really still present for us today. And those three dividers were the pride of race, the pride of place, and the pride of grace. And what I want to do is just touch on these really quickly. He said, first of all, the pride of race. So for many, their ethnic identity 
became the way of distinguishing themselves from other people. And you may be sitting here saying, hey, but my, my culture, my, the way that I look, my identity is not found in any of that. But I want you to truly think about how you distinguish yourself from other people. And is race a part of that? Is culture a part of that? How, how do you really think when you dig deep into who you are? Is that a, is that a big part of your identity? I want you to hear me that cultures are, are beautiful things. It's like God created this diamond and there's cultures all around it and they're shining and they're, they're just, they're, they're beaming and culture's great. But the problem is we become more proud of our culture and less proud of our identity in Christ. That we elevate our culture above our Christianity. That we elevate our political views above our Christianity. That we elevate the way that we think about something or the way that we feel above our identity in Christ. And it becomes a pride issue whether we really admit that or not. Because we're prideful because of our whiteness or because of our blackness or because of our Asianness or because of our republicanness or because of our democratness, whatever it may be, we elevate that above Jesus. We elevate that above Christ. But here's the problem. That the truth is there's one people and we all have one thing in common, that we're sinful, dead people without hope if it wasn't for Jesus. That's the truth. And that is really what brings us together is we realize that without Jesus, we are absolutely sinful, rebellious people. And it doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter how you vote. It doesn't matter what your culture is. At that point, you realize that without Jesus, I am lost, hopeless, on my way to an eternity separated from God. And because of what Jesus did, because of his grace, through faith, we can have a relationship with him as one race of people, the body of Christ. And our identity in Christ should always trump everything else. Paul says that although he was a Jew, that his Jewishness was what he termed as skubala, which if you were a teenager and you said that growing up as a Greek, they would wash your mouth out with soap. It was it was garbage. He's saying, hey, that my Jewish heritage, although I'm proud of it and I love it, compared to my identity in Christ, it is nothing. And I wonder how many of us really can get to the point where we say, hey, I'm proud of my heritage, I'm proud of my culture, I'm proud of of where I come from, but compared to my identity in Christ, it is nothing. Because there's nothing that should be even a close second to our identity in Jesus. And when we start to elevate something else, then it starts to cloud the identity in Christ. Tony Evans said this, Tony Evans said the racial application to Paul's teaching here in Galatians 2 is that it technically incorrect to say I'm a black Christian or I'm a white Christian or I'm a Hispanic Christian because now you've made black and white and Hispanic adjectives and Christian a noun 
And the job of the adjective is to modify the noun. So now you've got to keep Christian looking like the adjective that describes it, or it ceases to be Christian. It's better to say that I'm a Christian that happens to be white, or I'm a Christian that happens to be black. What happens, though, is we put that adjective in front of Christian, which means that we're elevating that identity above our identity in Christ. And it causes division among us. God is not telling Jewish people to become Gentiles or Gentiles to become Jew. He's not telling white people to be black people or black people to be white people. I want you to hear this. He's telling all people to be kingdom people. He wants all of us to be about his business. He wants all of us to be about the kingdom. He's not asking us to change our culture, to change our identity, our secondary identity. He's telling us that that should never be elevated above the kingdom. And I'm just, I'm wondering, at least in our family, at least in our body, if we've gotten to the point to where our identity in Christ is above all else. Because what happens is we can't even have conversations with people that we differ with because what we think, in our opinion, is so elevated that we just get so mad and we get so distraught that we can't even have conversations with people about anything else without getting angry. And I'm willing to say this morning that it's because we've elevated our opinions and our culture and what we think above our identity in Christ. Now, we're not going to agree on everything. But we can agree on this, that we're all sinners in need of a Savior. And that Jesus has done everything necessary for that salvation. And once we commit to follow him wherever he leads us, and we begin to really elevate our identity in Christ above all other identities, then we can be unified and come together as a body. And that's what he's calling us to do. But not only the pride of race, he said there's a pride of place. So we think some personal accomplishment somehow makes us better than someone else. And I don't know if you've ever been here, but maybe you, you've gotten a promotion and someone else didn't and y'all were kind of going against each other and now you think that accomplishment makes you better. And that causes division. And it's not that we have to be the smartest, we just have to be smarter than them. It's not that we have to be the, the most beautiful. We just have to be more beautiful than them. It becomes a competition because at the heart of pride is competition. At the heart of pride is that we want to be better than someone else. And this causes division among us. But how little of your talents can you really take credit for? Think about this. If you were born as an, as an orphan in a third world country, do you really think you would have what you have right now? No, we're blessed to be here in the United States of America, in Harlem, in a free country where we can have church outside in the city. That's a blessing from God. And everything that we have is because of him. 
man, the, the talents that I have, first of all, the genes came from my parents. They didn't come from me. I didn't automatically just create some genes that I have. And then God gave me the ability to even use those talents at all. So how is it that we can look at success and look at our place in the world and think that we're better than someone else because of where we are or what we can do or how we look or the house that we live in or the car that we drive? When Scripture is very clear that we get blessed from God, that blessings don't come from within, that they come from above. The third thing he says is the pride of grace. The pride of grace. And this this pride is where you say, man, I've lived a pretty good life. I know some people that have done some really bad things, and I haven't done those things. So that makes me better than that person. Man, I've never really been uh, in in the life of addiction, or I've never really been in the life of, of this, or I didn't get pregnant before I was married or whatever it may be and then we know people that have gone down those roads and for some reason we think that man we're better because we didn't go down those same roads when in fact all sin separates us from God we all fall short of his glory no matter what the sin is but for some reason in our minds, we, we believe that because we didn't do certain things that we're better than certain people. And God's grace may have kept us from going down some roads, but it doesn't mean that we're any better because we sin just the same. And if it wasn't for the grace of God at all, again, we would be hopeless. We would have nothing and we would have no future. But because of who he is and what he's done, we're able to have life eternal and have life more abundant. So we have the freedom to come together once we realize that, man, all this stuff that causes division can be can be fixed. If we keep our eyes on Jesus and realize that without him, we are all lost sinners on our way to a real place called hell. Number two is this, the freedom to confront. Again, Peter was the head of the church. He was the who's who. And Paul was just an upstart, more of the who's he. Like nobody really knows who Paul is. And Paul could confront Peter in this moment because he was secure in his identity in Christ. And if you think, we all have friends that we need to confront about something. And maybe some of you have friends that don't know Jesus. And you need to confront them in love about beginning a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you have family or friends who are about to make a horrible decision and you're just too scared to confront them because you are you're living for their approval or you want them to like you but when our identity is secure in Christ and we're not trying to live for the approval of someone else it makes it much easier to confront someone in love and let's go back to the to the race thing really quick but some of you have family members or friends who who say inappropriate things about the other race or some other race and you say, well, that's just, 
uncle so-and-so or that's just who they are. It's not really hurting anybody, but I want you to understand that it's hurting the body of Christ. That is creating a culture. And when you create a culture of division, people know that and they can see that. And some of you need to confront some family members about that. Some of you need to confront some friends about that. Some of you need to look within and confront yourselves about that. That when we talk about things that are inappropriate, that it hurts the body of Christ. That it begins to create a culture that God wouldn't approve of. And we want a culture of love and a culture of unity because that's what the kingdom of God is about. It's about lost people of all kinds coming to know the saving power of Jesus. And then number three is this, we have the freedom to claim the power of Jesus. The freedom to claim the power of Jesus. Galatians 2.20, I'm going to read this again. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's who I am now, right? So let's talk about our identity. We have a new identity in Christ. But we also have a new power in his resurrection. And this is where I think we, we drop the ball sometimes, is that we, we really believe that we stand uh, in favor of God because of, of the merit of Jesus, but then we somehow forget that we have the power because of his resurrection. And we say this a lot, but we, we act like God says, hey, okay, I've saved you, and now I'm leaving it up to you to live life. And that's not how he works. He says, I've saved you and I've given you the power to continue to live the way that I want you to live. To continue to live for my kingdom and for my glory. I've given you the power. I've given you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells you. But so often we come to know Jesus and we really believe that he's done everything necessary for our salvation. And then we live life like we forgot that he's still there, that he still cares, that he's still providing power each and every day. You see, when God sees you, he mostly sees himself. He's not looking at a, at a sinful human anymore. He's looking at the righteousness of Jesus. When we become a follower of him, man, his righteousness becomes our righteousness. And when God sees us, he, he's not betting on us, I promise you. He knows that there's a Holy Spirit within us that has given us the power. And that's who he's looking at, and that's who he's calling on. And that's who we should be tapping into to live life the way that he's called us to live life. And he calls us to live a miraculous life. He says, be holy because I am holy. And again, he's not betting on us to do that. He knows the one that can lives within us. And if we would yield to the Spirit each and every day, each and every moment, man, how sweet would life be? But our flesh comes out, and we see this in this story, that Peter's flesh came out. And we see that Peter struggled a lot. 
And even after the resurrection, even after he became the head of the church, even after he got the power of the Holy Spirit, he still gives in the flesh. And we're going to do the same thing. But how often are we truly being filled with the Spirit more and more and more every single day? Stop basing your identity on you and start basing it on Jesus. Because if you truly have Jesus, your identity is no longer who you are. It's who you are in Him. I'm going to close with this really quick. You may feel abandoned, but in Christ, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And the promises of God are yes and amen. You may feel condemned, but in Christ, you are spotless and above reproach. You may feel down on your luck, but in Christ you are blessed again with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You may feel neglected by others, but in Christ you have been chosen for God. He knows the plans that he has for you. You may feel defeated by temptation, but in Christ you have died to sin's power. And Christ now lives through you. You may feel dead and lifeless, but in Christ you have resurrection life coursing through your veins. You may feel like you aren't making any difference in life, but in Christ you are raised with Jesus and seated in the heavenly places, and He has blessed you to be a blessing. You may feel broken, but in Christ you have been made complete. In Christ you are a new creation. In Christ you are adopted into his family. In Christ, you are a partaker of the divine nature. And in Christ, you are a beloved child of God. That's who you are. Quit acting like someone else. Man, we have to be secure in our identity in Christ so that we can truly live in the freedom to come together with other believers that we can live in the freedom to confront our family and our friends in love. And that we can live in the freedom of the power of Jesus. And it's not just about coming to a, a knowledge of Him. It's not just about making a decision to follow Him. Yeah, that's the, that's the most important decision you'll ever make, but it doesn't stop. Once you begin to follow Jesus, you are a beloved child of God, adopted into his family, given the power of the resurrection. It's running through your veins. Stop acting like someone else. You are a child of the one true God. Are you living like that? Are you taking steps? like you belong to Jesus? Are you growing in His love? Are you showing His love to the world? And I pray that today is a day where we, we have some type of awakening, that we realize that, man, we're not just another human on this earth for no reason, that we have a purpose, and our purpose is to give God glory, and our purpose is to show God's love 
to a lost and hurting and broken and dying world around us. And you may say, and I don't really have the ability to do anything. And I want you to know that you have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. That you don't have to have the ability. Just allow Him to work and to use you. Man, I've been burdened for the last year and a half, two years, from all the division in our country. Man, it breaks my heart. And I'm not up here to say that this side's right and this side's wrong. But I know that God's side is always right. And I just want, I want people to know who Jesus is. And I want to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to be secure in my identity in Christ. Not for my sake, but for the sake of the kingdom. So when there's division all around us, that we can show the world that there's unity in Jesus. Man, and I, do, and I promise you, with all that I am, that I don't care how you vote when you go vote. And I care that we, we glorify Jesus. And there's no way that I would ever, ever, ever elevate a, a ballot box to where we are in Christ. There's no way that I would ever elevate that I'm a, I'm a white guy and I'm American and I'm proud of that and that's great. But compared to my identity in Christ, it is garbage. And I'm not trying to devalue the, the country. I'm not trying to devalue who you are and your culture. I think that those are beautiful things and I'm proud of those things for myself. But when it's compared to our identity as a Christ follower, man, it means nothing. Because God doesn't love America more than he loves someone from another country. It's just not the truth. We love America. God loves people. God loves his creation. And God calls all people unto himself. That's his purpose, is to, to unite all things back to himself. And we get to play a part in that. If we truly begin to stand firm in our identity in Jesus. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.